Welcome back to the Women in the Business Arena podcast. Every week we dive into juicy topics for women navigating the business arena, leadership, and their personal self-development. We reframe business and life with a more feminine lens to help women find fulfillment, freedom, and success. I'm your host, Sonia Statman, and today I am shaking up this podcast a bit and bringing on a special guest. She's a longtime innovative entrepreneur, having created many businesses, both for profit and for purpose. She's won a Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award, run think tanks at the United Nations, and written three books. What I love about her is her spirit. She is a bit of a rebel, and like me, is consistently stepping outside the box. We thought today we would dive into the topic of her latest book, which is called The Courage Map. Courage is something we talk a lot about on this podcast. So meet Francisca Isele. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks so much, Sonia. Thanks for this beautiful introduction too. Yeah, look, I love having you here. And courage is one of those things that we talk about so much on the show because I think it's a really big and important thing that we're navigating as entrepreneurs and in leadership and even in our personal relationships. How do we have the courage to really step in to be ourselves to you know, set boundaries, to ask for what we need. And so I think it's a really amazing and important topic. Yeah, I agree, especially the timing couldn't be more perfect, especially right now as we are challenged and going through challenging times. I do think that this is a very important topic to chat about. Yeah, I agree. And one of the things I always love to do is kind of define some of the words we're talking about because I think sometimes we've got these words that we use a lot, but we always don't think about their meaning. And so what I love about courage is like the definition of courage is the mental or moral strength to persevere and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. And I think that is something so important to contemplate because it is that mental and moral strength that we have to really cultivate over time. What's kind of your perspective on the definition of courage? Yeah, and you know, as part of that definition, it also said to withstand and go through fears. And that's also the part that I find interesting because my definition of courage is that courage is not about being fearless. It's about taking action despite the fear. So courage is actually not about being fearless. And it's also not about being reckless. It's about taking action despite the fear. And that is how I define courage. And because of that, I also have come to the conclusion that courage is a skill that can be learned, that can be enhanced, if we can say it that way. I love that. And I saw that in your book as well, that, you know, it is a skill. And I totally believe that. In fact, you know, we talk a lot about skill building on this podcast because I think we've kind of lost that art of skill building. We have these expectations on ourselves that we should either be you know, perfect, or we should be able to to do something automatically or not do something automatically. We've kind of lost that art of the time and space it takes to really build a skill and how important that is. And I do feel like courage is such a powerful skill um, and one that we need to work on, on on a daily basis. It doesn't just come to us in a week or in a month, like it comes over a lifetime, right? I agree. Yeah, I agree. And what I talk about in the book too is, is courage boundaries. And and being aware that we all have different courage boundaries so you know my boundaries right now might be here so something that might not be a courageous action for someone else might be for me might be something oh this is if i do this or if i make this decision if this is for me it takes courage because my boundaries are here and as we 
work on this skill as we push ourselves to do something despite the fear, whether that is having a difficult conversation or, or go skydiving or do whatever we, we feel a little bit like, I feel a little bit of fear. That's how we can then keep expanding our courage boundaries. And as you say, it's, it's, it's something we can practice. Yeah, it is. And, and I think, you know, sometimes we don't give ourselves permission to practice. And that's what I think so much really important about this topic. It's like the permission to be courageous and the permission when sometimes we're not courageous, right? To give ourselves that self-compassion of being able to be like, yeah, that's okay. We didn't have courage in that moment, but we can in the next moment. We can repractice tomorrow. Yeah. And you know what? As part of that is almost sometimes for someone, it might take courage to say, you know what? Right now, I don't feel like being courageous. You know, that could even be an action of or decision of courage. It's like, you know what? Right now, I feel like being compassionate. And that might take courage for someone. Yeah, I agree. Do you feel like some people are naturally more inclined to courage than others? Like, I think that's always a really interesting thing to understand. Because some people will come to me, I know, with some of the women I work with, and they're like... I just don't have courage. It's really hard for me to practice that. It's really hard for me to look at it. I just, I'm always sort of sucked in by my fear, but then some people come and they have a little bit more maybe skill in being courageous or more, um, I don't know, resilience in being courageous. Do you find that there's some people that are kind of more inclined one way or the other? Yes, 100%. And I was asking, and I was actually being asked when I first started this book, this was the one question that my road buddy, Mike, who was traveling on the motorbike journey with me along the Silk Road. And he kept asking me, he's like, do you not have fear? He's like, where does your courage come from? And I'm like, no, I, I definitely have fear. I just generally take action despite the fear if I know that it's not reckless most of the time. Sometimes maybe borderline reckless, but most of the time, if I know that, that nobody's going to get hurt and I'm not going to get hurt if I do something. And so I was asking myself, so. So are we born with courage? Is this something we're born with? Or, or why are some people able to, to be more courageous than others? And what I have found looking at lots of people and studying this is that, of course, and you are the expert in this, so you might want to add your thoughts on this. Of course, a lot of our conditioning as kids has to do with how we feel about courage nowadays, and especially even more so how we feel about failure. And... <sighs> Looking into this, and it's even dawned on me even after publishing this book, even the last few months, just pondering. And I obviously have more time to ponder now because I'm in isolation a little bit. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, so I've pondered this more and I realized that the reason why I feel I've been, I guess, blessed potentially or silver linings from my childhood is that my dad especially was probably not like the most incredible dad but the one thing that he definitely did is he pushed me you know when i wanted something he's like yeah go do it you know go, go do it you want to you want to learn how to to skateboard good luck you know go do it i'm like okay i guess you're not holding my hand are you not holding my hand no <laughs> like go do it and you know go do it and rip your jeans and come back you know in one piece i think as long as you know we are safe enough to come back and anything in, in life when I think back you know if I wanted to do something I remember I wanted to I wanted to always I loved horses when I was a kid and I wanted to mm -hmm. horse ride I wasn't allowed my own horse because it's super expensive etc 
but there was one horse I could I managed to look after and I wanted to buy this horse treats and you know I just loved her she was my little soul mate <laughs> I still dream about her some years ago Aww. yeah it's really beautiful actually and so she passed ages ago and I wanted to buy her treats so my dad is like well go get a job you want to buy her stuff why don't you go get a job and I was 10 years old I think when I got my first job at a, a winery doing you know gardening and all sorts of stuff and so that I think that's again it's conditioning from being a child is that hey failure is okay if I fall over skateboarding or whatever I do it's okay and also having the courage to go after what I want because I had to because I was conditioned yeah. that and I'm not saying it's the, a good parenting or bad parenting but mm. you might have examples of how conditioning in your childhood can help you to then tap into this courage more as you grow older yeah, definitely. I think it, there's a lot that's based on the conditioning, what we experience as children, what wounds we get or trauma we experience as well can, you know, also kind of take away our courage or make it even more challenging to go through courage. I often talk about how, you know, we're, we're really born with sort of this essential self. And over the years, we kind of get these, what I call the layers of distortion. You know, so these wounds we have, I think you talk about some of this in your book as well. You know, we, we kind of become conditioned in certain ways, or we have stories about ourselves or stories about our experiences. And so over time, sometimes to get to the courage, we have to actually integrate some of those layers of distortion. We have to actually move through some of that healing in order to really be able to get back to that essential self. Because I feel we're born with courage, but it's the conditioning that turns us one way or the other. And, you know, definitely in so many cultures, failure is looked down on. Like if you aren't perfect from day one, if you aren't like, if you don't get it right the first time, then you are punished or made wrong or, you know, embarrassed or shamed. And that really puts this, these like barriers in the way of our courage. Yeah. And the good news about this, that what you're talking about also is that we may have been not not we may have we are conditioned by our childhood the good news is and this is the work a lot of the work that you're doing is that we can recondition ourselves you know okay. if right now we we feel that maybe some of of these courage boundaries are are tight or we would love to expand or we have some stories from the past that are not serving us right now we can reprogram these stories and and make them stories that can fuel our courage, which is obviously a lot of the work that you're doing with, with people. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes we have this perception as well that it's sort of reframing the story, which can help or recreating the story, but oftentimes it's, it's letting it go, right? Like we, we so often have kind of this idea sometimes that we're creating forward or we're changing something, <laughs> but oftentimes it's, it's actually letting go. It's actually um, releasing the stories. And that, that frame is so important because it's actually so much easier than we think it is if we just kind of allowed some of it to, to leave or allowed some of it to be let go of. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, awesome. So I was thinking what I th always feel like we're built in terms of our courage and our experience and our skill building, we're really built by the hardest times we had to experience courage in our lives, right? And so would you be willing to share kind of one of those moments where it was a hard act of courage, right? And that I find gives us the most actual courage is when we move through something hard um, but it can be really hard in those moments to choose it yeah this is such a, a good question and it's also a really 
difficult one to answer. The, the, I'm just going to go with the first thing that comes up. And I, I wouldn't <laughs> say probably the hardest one. I mean, the hardest thing that I've ever gone through is, is the passing of my father uh, quite uh, when he was still pretty youngish. But the one that comes to mind that has had this impact, I believe, pondering <laughs> on my life and a lot of, you know, I talk in the book about all my helmet thoughts when I'm stuck in my motorbike helmets and I have all this time to think. And the mm -hmm. one story has impacted me a lot and I talk about it in the book too is when I was, I must have been maybe 10, 11 or so and I got riding lessons, horse riding lessons at this on this farm and they had this horsey jumping competition. I think it's called show jumping in English. And I wanted to enter and the teacher, the farm guy said, hey, you can definitely enter. I'll give you one of the horses. You're going to be the youngest one and you know, it's okay, don't worry, you'll be fine. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, cool. So I borrowed some of my other friend's outfit because he had to wear white pants and you know, this black jacket and the whole outfit. And my dad and my mom came to watch me that day, Saturday morning, I think it was or Sunday morning. And it was one of the first times that my dad actually came to this farm and he was there. And so I'm walking the course, the obstacle course to memorize it in my head with all the other competitors. And then it's my turn. So I get on this horse. His name was Risico. I still remember him, giant guy, really gentle guy. And mm -hmm. I, it's my turn to, to run this obstacle course with this horse. And my, I see my dad and my mom standing at the fence, just watching. And we do a few obstacles, we jump over a few of them, and then suddenly there's a, big, a bit of a wider obstacle, and this horse, Risico, we, we, we go pretty fast, galloping towards this obstacle, and he decides to not jump. So he just stops super quickly in front of this obstacle, and I was already jumping in my head, so I didn't expect him to stop. So I went flying over his head and fell, <laughs> fell off the horse, wow. and he kept running a little bit to the side, and then he was waiting for me. So I, I got up. I didn't hurt myself because when you're so young, you, I fell off so many horses so many times. I think yeah. now it would probably hurt a bit more, but when you're young and bendy, it doesn't hurt. And I was wearing a helmet. So I got up and dusted off my pants, and I looked across to see my dad and my mom, and my dad had tears in his eyes, and I walked over to grab Risico and jump back on him. So I jumped back on the horse and finished uh, the course. He jumped the second time. He jumped over this obstacle, finished the course. I came last in this competition. I was also. <laughs> it didn't really matter because I think all that mattered is to have the courage in that moment to either <laughs> get up and cry that I fell off this horse and that I'm going to come last and just go. You know what? This is too hard and I, I don't want to do this anymore. Or have the courage to get up, go back to Risico. <laughs> tell him to not be naughty anymore, jump on him and finish the course. And I think that was a defining moment, if I think about it, in my life where, hey, do, am I going to quit when it's hard or am I going to finish something and take action despite my heart maybe racing and maybe despite feeling like I'm failing or I'm coming last, doesn't matter. All that matters is the intention. Yeah, oh, I love that. And I do think that's so important, that intention of, you know, what we want and that commitment, right? I think it's 
so often I feel like we don't really talk about commitment. I feel like commitment's kind of skewed in conversation because it, you know, sometimes we think of like we make a promise or we say we're going to do something and then we have to commit to it. I don't feel like that's a very good explanation of commitment. I think it's when we really want something and that can change and shift and we have to realign with people and renegotiate. But when we really want something, it's that commitment to do whatever it takes to make it happen. And that is the courage, right? And, and the, the first part of, of feeling this commitment is to actually get clarity on what we want and get clarity. And one of the principles in the book that I talk about is truth. And so the first part of commitment is understanding our truth, is understanding what do we want and what do we stand for? Not what do we want so that we look good or so that somebody likes yeah. us, but what inherently inside of us do we really want and what do we stand for? What is our truth? And then commit to that. And I've had so many conversations like, I don't know why, but different people are talking about how one thing that they're learning throughout these times that we're going through too is boundaries and having the yeah. courage to stick by their boundaries if in yeah. terms of their families, partners, work. It's just, these are my boundaries and I need you to respect them so that I can honor my truth and, and also yours. So true. And I find that that even that like permission to really look at what we want, I find it's such an interesting piece because, you know, I work with primarily women and there's not a single woman I work with that doesn't have to really work at getting to that place of what does she really, really want? Not what does her partner want, her kids want, not what should she do to, you know, help other people or serve other people. But like, if you strip all that away, if you stripped everyone else's desires away, what do you really want? And it's such an interesting exploration because even sometimes we might say like, I want a house or I want this a million dollars or I want all these things. But when you ask, well, why? Well, what is it you really want? And you start to strip that back. It's really interesting to see how many people haven't really contemplated it, haven't really thought about it, haven't committed to what they really want. It is so true. And this is such a good example. You know, do, do you want this house because you really want it or do you want it so that you look good or so that you can tell your friends that you have this fancy house or so that your neighbors are jealous? Why do you want it? And if the motivation yep. is outside, if it's an external motivation just so that you look good or you can talk about it or you can take Instagram photos with it, it's probably not the thing that you really, really, really want or that is going to help you to step into more of your truth. Yeah, 100%. And I think that, you know, anytime we're externally validated, it's never sustainable. It's never long lasting because something will switch in that sort of external validation and that external motivation. And it's really hard. And so like, I know when I'm working with people in their businesses, one of the things we have to look at is where is their internal motivation? Like it's not enough to just have an external motivation. There has to be that drive inside because that's really what leads to commitment. And I think there's so much courage in committing to what we want and committing to where we really want to go, regardless of judgment of others, regardless of what everyone else wants, really just going for it. I think that's so powerful, but that in my opinion is freedom. I agree. I think it takes so much courage to do that. And it takes first understanding what that is. And then it takes the courage to stand by it. Uh, you don't actually see that many people really honoring that, but the ones that do yeah. it's, it is freedom. And also, you know, I always feel like, you know, when you see charisma, I feel that it's part of it. 
I think part of it is people that are unshakably honoring themselves and yes. their truth. Yeah. And really sexy. Yeah, I love it. And I feel like this is such a big component of leadership as well. Like I work a lot with leaders and, and I feel like sometimes we think leadership is about influencing or how many followers we have, but leadership is about who you become. Leadership is about being the leader and leadership can't happen if you're conforming, if you're not thinking for yourselves, if you care what everyone else thinks instead of stepping into who you really are, regardless of the judgment. And I think, you know, this is like a real switch I want to see in the leadership arena as well is that people are starting to step more into it's about being you know congruent with myself to be in my truth and that's really where leadership comes from rather than like oh it's who I can influence or you know it's how many people like me that's such a dangerous slippery slope when you're worried about how many people like you it's so true and then the second part of leadership is when you are able to do that and honor your truth and, and stand in it and be the person that you want to become, the best person of you, not of someone else that you can become. Other people around you, which I feel is a big part of leadership, will be influenced, not by you telling them to be something or do something, but by That's just right. leadership is so much about walking the talk more than, yeah. than using the words or showing people what to do. So true. And I think it, it really is about that almost like moral leadership, right? It's being that leader and that in, that's so influential. Um, but I think a lot of people lose sight of that. You know, they're trying to, I, I guess, take shortcuts or hack it, you know, hack leadership by, by trying to make their outside presence so, you know, pretty or, you know, have that influence or make them look good or make them seem like they have a lifestyle. You can see that all across the socials. But, you know, really, how much work have they done to become that leader, to be that person where people just respect and honor, even if they don't agree with you? Like, you can see that in real leaders. You might not even agree with them, but, man, they have your respect. 100%. Yeah, I was actually talking to one of my Swiss friends about this this morning. She's very much against you know the whole amazon thing you know the, the yeah, yeah. World. she's a swiss friend too so you know for her it, she's like because she wanted to buy my book basically on oh, then yeah. she said i don't really want to buy it on amazon i feel like <laughs> you're getting ripped off and and jeff bezos you know she wasn't really into him and then i said to her you know what we might not agree with everything that that amazon is doing they're also doing some good things but when i saw jeff bezos speak somewhere in LA at a conference as much as I may not agree with everything he does he definitely commanded my respect he's a real leader and I, I, I still respect him for a lot of the yeah. stuff that he does because he's such a leader yeah and you can feel those people I mean I always call it the people who are congruent with themselves right and so you can see the people who when you just walk up to them you know that they're just real it doesn't really matter whether or not you like everything about them. It's like they are congruent. They're not pretending to be something, you know, behind this mask. And I think, yeah, that's this, just such an interesting piece. And it does take courage to be a leader. And it takes courage to be willing to be real in all of your faults and all of your imperfections, you know, in all of the ways that you might not be shiny and beautiful. Like, you know, I think that takes so much courage. But, man, it's just such a better way to live. <laughs> Yeah, and the word that you also mentioned, which I think is a big one, is congruency. And you sometimes, I definitely personally lose confidence and trust in people when, even when it's a great leader, 
but there's no congruency yep. in their act. Instantly, it, it robs me of, of the trust in that person. Yeah. And congruency is, is such an important part of leadership that you're talking about here. Yeah, I agree. And I just have this ability to kind of feel when people are incongruent. It's like you can just feel there's something, you know, not right. And that's one of the things like, you know, when I'm working with business owners, I'm always telling them it's far more important that you're congruent than it is that you say all the right copy or that you have all the right marketing spiel because people feel your incongruency and they may not know like why they don't resonate with you or why they don't want to work with you, but they'll feel it. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, that's one part, the congruency part. And then the other part also is vulnerability, which is a whole other, you know, kind of worms that we could go down. We yeah. have time. But I think that the other part of leadership that takes so much courage is to be congruent. And then also that means that you may also have to be vulnerable and honest with some stuff rather than always trying to, to be someone because you're not trying to be someone. You are who you are right now. Yes. And that includes also that you're going through different challenges and, and having this vulnerability helps motivates people to to be by your side and, and to support you when, when you need it. Yeah, I agree. And that vulnerability is such an interesting topic because I still feel like a lot of people don't really understand what that looks like or what that means. And, you know, I'll have a lot of people ask me questions like, where is that line between, you know, exposing yourself too much and then just being real and honest? So I always tell like my rule of thumb on this podcast or anything I'm doing is if I've contemplated what I've gone through, if I've, you know, really looked at it, if I've healed from it, if it's not, it's still vulnerable, but if it's not super, super raw, I'll share it with the public. And if it's something that's really, really raw and I'm not integrated with it, then it's something that I explore on my own or with, you know, my uh, therapist or with my support team or with my husband. And then that gives me the, the ability to work on integrating some of that. And then I can share that as well. But I think that's a, there is this line between being really real and vulnerable and also protecting ourselves. Yeah, because there's also a difference between vulnerable as in I'm sharing this to get sympathy because that's not why you are vulnerable. It's not that's right. I'm sharing to get sympathy or, you know, get people to go, oh, you poor thing. No, I'm sharing this to for people to understand where you're at and yeah. for them to also be understanding that it's okay to feel a certain way. We don't always have to be, as a leader doesn't mean that you have to always be the, the strong one and have everything together. It's okay to be human. <laughs> and so it's, it's almost giving people permission yeah. to feel okay with their own struggles. And it's not about, hey, look at me, I have a challenge, help. It's not about that. Yeah, hundred percent. And yeah, I mean, I think that kind of leads me to a question I was going to ask as well, because one of the things you talk about in your book is living boldly, right? Which is, you know, how we kind of interpret living courageously. But what I find interesting and a good exploration, I'd love to hear your viewpoint on is, you know, I think that most of us kind of have this perception that living boldly is, you know, for extroverts and for people who like being in the public and for people who, you know, are willing to, to kind of be out there or maybe even have more of that masculine energy. But what happens for, you know, the people who are more introverted or more quiet or maybe more feminine? And so, you know, I always think it's really interesting, like, how can they live more boldly? Because what, like, 
in the clients that I work with who are in that category, I find they really struggle thinking they're not as good as, you know, the people who are out there more extroverted, who you can see you're living boldly. Yet I find some of the introverted people are living boldly in a different way. What's kind of your viewpoint on that? I thought it would be an interesting exploration. I actually find, you know, listening to your explanation of living boldly, I've actually find your definition very, very, very interesting. I have never, I've never thought about living boldly as being this outwards extrovert, masculine way because i feel and this is what i talk a little bit in the book about is that living boldly is according to who it's according to you you choose what it means for you and i don't think that it's a masculine or feminine thing i think it's both depending on what you choose so if if for you living boldly might mean that you are honoring your boundaries or it might mean that you are let's say you're an introvert and one of your challenges and this used to be one of my challenges is to face difficult conversations i used to always avoid conflict i didn't like it again this has to prove with childhood stuff and i used to for me something boldly living boldly for me means that i address and i still struggle with it sometimes i address challenging conversations which is not outward it's just like something that i have to do with a few select people when they come up which for me is like oh I, I don't like it and i don't like conflict but i have to be bold right yeah. now so living boldly is really according to you and it's whatever it means to you or for some it might mean living boldly i'm gonna go on a crazy crazy adventure and i'm gonna share it with everyone and that's maybe the, a little bit more the masculine or or, you know, I'm going to jump off a huge cliff into the ocean knowing that I can <laughs> swim and that there's enough water underneath the cliff. So yeah. that, you know, that's maybe a little bit more like the outward stuff. Or I'm going to sing on a big stage in front of thousands of people, even though I'm, I feel fear. I'm going yeah. to play music in front of people. So it's sort of what you make it, what it means for you, the living boldly. And one of my favorite principles in the book is flow. And flow is very feminine. It we is. are flow. We yep, are flow. 100%. And flow for both men and women who want to live boldly is a really cool way to step into courage because flow means the metaphor that I use is that imagine that you are like the water in a river. And imagine that river is like your life. A river is never straight. It's always got the six and the sacks. It's got obstacles, rocks, it's got currents. It's got all sorts of stuff in the river. And life is like that too. Life is zigzag and there's obstacles and there's undercurrents and there's like dangers. So what do you do as a person? And this is the feminine side is you can pretend metaphorically to be water and in life, just flow through it. Mm -hmm. The masculine side is like, I'm hitting an obstacle here in the river. I'm going to push against That's this obstacle right. i'm going to scream at it and i'm going to try and remove it flow means you just flow around it eventually make it stuck yeah. a bit behind you but you don't need to scream at the rock you can just sort of okay i'm a little bit stuck here right now behind this obstacle eventually i'll find a flow solution to get around it and it's it when you can live like that i feel like you're just more in tune without going too spiritual but you're more in tune with the universe and you're 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 being more guided and you're also being more held by the yeah. universe because you know that eventually you'll come out of this behind the rock position 
Yeah. No, I love that. I think that's <laughs> awesome. And I, I love the way that you describe that as well, because I feel like, yeah, living boldly is something we have to define for ourselves. But, you know, I definitely know that a lot of people sometimes feel that someone is defining it for them. But just bringing back to that realization and that understanding that we have to determine what living boldly is for us. And, you know, stepping into our courage, our living congruently. And sometimes that's just choosing ourselves, right? Like that can be the bold move, choosing ourselves over someone else or choosing what we need over what the needs of others are. Like, I think it's really interesting to be able to start to explore how can I personally, from where I am right now, live more boldly or step into just a little more courage, um, you know, every single day. Yeah. And then understanding that if you choose yourself, you will be able to serve others more. And this is something that obviously we we know that if, if you look after yourself and, and you nurture yourself and, and you understand yourself, your ability and capability to then support others and choose others is so much greater. 100%, 100%. We talk about self-care so much on this podcast because you know, I think, especially women, I feel like they don't do it enough. They're so giving and in service. And, but when we have capacity, when we've served ourselves enough to have more capacity, we're so much better in service to others. We're so much more supportive of others. All right. Well, this is excellent. So I'm so, you know, thankful that you joined us. I think this is an amazing um, topic. Can you tell people a little bit about where they can find you and your book, The Courage Map? Yeah, absolutely. So the Courage Map, the book that we've mentioned in this show, you can go to thecouragemap.com. And for all the other projects and businesses that I'm involved in, the best place to go is to my personal website, which is the spelling is going to be challenging. It's my name, Francisca Easily, F-R-A-N-Z for zebra, I-S-K-A, and then my last name together, I-S-E-L-I.com. We can also put it in the show notes and we that's where you can see all the different businesses I'm involved in also on social media under the same name. So just at Francisca Easily, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Maybe. Okay, awesome. I'm so glad you were here joining us. This was an awesome conversation. So thank you everyone for joining us and we will see you next week. Are you ready to step into your value, power, and voice? Are you interested in having more impact in the world? Are you navigating an environment where you could use more leadership and communication skills? Well, I am launching a leadership program called Women Changing the Arena. I've taken decades of hands-on work with women, plus my lifetime experience of self-development and leadership development to create a program that allows women to truly lead. Whether you are in business, a corporate role, or the political arena, I can help you change the world. Head over to soniastatman.com or find me on any of my socials. Let's connect. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Women in the Business Arena. We'd love to welcome you into our community. Come join the Women in the Business Arena Facebook group. You can find the link in the show notes. And if you want to learn more about me and my work, you can find me at soniastatman.com. See you next week.